Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. If the sea was a whiskey and I was a duck, I'd swim to the bottom and never come up. Hello. Hello. That was lovely. Thank you. (laughs) Welcome to week five of Is It Worth It? The film review podcast where we go out of our way to see all the films in the cinema, even the bad ones, so you don't have to. My name's Craig Fields. And I am David Long. And what have we got on today's show, David? Well, on today's show, we'll be starting off with a review of I, Tonya, starring the Oscar-nominated Margot Robbie. We'll be taking a look at Fifty Shades Freed, which is the final film in the Fifty Shades trilogy. Yes, we'll also be having a look at Father Figures, starring Owen Wilson, playing the same role that he always does, himself. Owen Wilson playing (laughs) Owen Wilson playing Owen Wilson. And finally, we'll be taking a look at Status Update or Status Update. Status Update. Yeah, it is American, isn't it? So It is indeed. Status Update it is. So how are you? You had a good week? I have, yeah. um, Enjoyed, well, I didn't actually enjoy watching the the BAFTAs. Um, I thought Joanna Lumley was... Rather poor. Yeah, she didn't really hold it up very well, did she? No, I, th- I think a few of her jokes started to bomb a bit like ours, and it all just started to <laughs> unravel, really. Mm. But um, did, it, did it go the way you thought it was going to go? It did, yes. Um, oh, dear. Sorry. Just knocked something over there. Uh, <laughs> carry on. Um, yeah, no, it did go um, the way I imagined. Um, Del Toro won Best Director, and three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, one best film, which is how I see it going at the Oscars. Mm, both well-deserved, I think. Yes, and I actually agree with Del Toro as best director because I've watched The Shape of Water again and I was much more impressed with it the second time. Um, still struggle a little bit with the storyline, but as a, as a film, the way it's made and shot is really quite special. Del yeah. Toro is very talented, there's no doubt about that. He did bring the uh, the actors out of their comfort zones and really got really great performances out of them, which is what the director's there to do, really, isn't he? So, well done, Del Toro. Indeed. Uh, do we have any emails this week, Greg? We we did get one. Yes. Are we going to be reading that? Um, I, I did read the email. I think we should read it. No. Definitely not. <laughs> is, there, <laughs> is there any particular reason why? Well, you know why. Well, yes. Um, we had a very long and very explicit email from Alan about Fifty Shades Freed, and it just started off reviewing the film and then it just stopped talking about the film and yeah but thanks alan for the email yeah nonetheless we do enjoy getting your email yeah so please do get in contact with us craig how can they do that well to get in contact with us you can do so via email which is my mail is worth it at gmail.com or you can tweet us at film is worth it um facebook as well the link to that will be in the description for this very podcast uh so moving swiftly on we're going to take a look at the box office Let's do that. This is the Box Office Rundown. Brought to you by Is It Worth It? The Film Review Podcast. 
Yes, it's now the part of the show where we have a look at the UK box office. This week we are looking at the weekend of February 16th to February the 18th. And we're going to do things slightly differently after having received some feedback from my wonderful mother. And and other people as well, actually. Oh, okay, and other people. So we have been um, reviewing the films 1 to 10, and we've realised that that doesn't leave the audience in suspense. So therefore we're going to review it from the bottom upwards. So you won't know. <laughs> His mind is... We've just watched Fifty Shades Freed, and every time I say anything like bottom or wood, he just starts... <laughs> oh, it's just something that's bound to happen, isn't it, really? Bound, bound, uh, there we go. Bound, oh. there, yeah, a lot of that in that film. So anyway, yes, we're going to start at the bottom, and we're going to work all the way to the tip of the box office. <laughs> um, so let's start right at the basement, which is Maze Runner, The Death Cure, comes in at number 10, and that has slipped a bit. But it's still in the box office. Yep, uh, that was definitely worth going to see. Uh, we after that we've got free billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Um, you said that that one was worth going to see as well. Yes, it's just one best picture at the Baftas. Uh, brilliant acting performances. You'll laugh, you'll cry. I really recommend this film. In at number eight, we have Jumanji. Welcome to the Jungle. I reviewed this film in week number three, I believe, and it's 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 a reboot, but it's it's very very good. Um, yeah, go and check it out. So at uh, number seven, we have Darkest Hour. Yes, we do. Uh, Gary Oldman, who picked up Best Actor uh, at the BAFTAs, and deservedly so. A very, very good film. Um, certainly not perfect. It has its flaws, but it's worth seeing for Oldman's performance alone. And then at number... Oh, blimey, I'm losing count. Six... That looks bad, doesn't it? Early Man, um, by the same people who brought us Wallace and Gromit. Craig has seen this and he enjoyed it. Yep, definitely worth going to see in the cinema. Then in at number five, we have Coco, another fantastic Disney film uh, worth going to see in the cinema. We keep saying everything's worth going to see. I know. Is there going to be something that's not worth going to see? Well, we will. We will. Oh, let's Probably not, actually. At four, it's still in the top ten. The Greatest Showman. It's now grossed over 30 million. It's been the box office for eight weeks and it's still doing well people are still doing the sing-along version downloading the cd buying the album dressing up like circus folk (laughs) are they doing that (laughs) probably not um and then at three the shape of water um comes straight in at number three something that we said was really great del toro's done a fantastic job won the bafta obviously for best director worth going to see in the cinema it's it's definitely worth going to see it's a very unique film um I did struggle with it, and I struggled with the fantasy element, but nonetheless, visually, it is stunning. And now at number two, look what we have, Craig. Uh, We haven't reviewed this one yet. We're going to be reviewing it today. We're going to be reviewing it today, indeed. It's Fifty Shades Freed. Um, This is straight in at number two for the box office this weekend, or last weekend, anyway. Um, Yeah, and it's incredible. It has grossed £14.5 million in two weeks, which is £4.5 million more than the Oscar-nominated three billboards. It's it's incredible. People are flocking to see this film. Mm. But it isn't at the top. No. At number one this week, we have Black Panther, Marvel's latest addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Fantastic film. Really, really good. And yeah, we have cut the, uh, the takings out because we realise it was slightly dull. But I will mention the takings of this film at the weekend. 17.8 million in one weekend. This is number one in the world. That is incredible. I mean, that has taken nearly double what Three Billboards has taken in one weekend. 
and three billboards has been out six weeks. Mm. Um, so there you have it, a much quicker, much slicker, faster and harder top box office <laughs> UK rundown. <laughs> we shouldn't have seen that film today. No, no. So I'll, um, I'll, I'll give them the full rundown in reverse order. At 10, we have Maze Runner, The Death Cure. Nine is three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. At eight, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Seven is Darkest Hour. Six, Early Man. Five, Coco. At four, and still in the top ten, is The Greatest Showman. Three, we have Del Toro's The Shape of Water. At two, it is Fifty Shades Freed. And at the top of the pile, taking 17.8 million at the weekend alone, it is Black Panther. Welcome back. So the first film we'll be looking at is I, Tonya. Um, this is a very interesting film. It's a biopic and it stars Margot Robbie and Alison Janey. And both of them give uh, superb performances. So Margot Robbie plays Tonya Harding. And this film looks at the uh, story of her personal life and professional life. So she was a competitive ice skater uh, and she rose up the ranks in the US for figure skating. Um, and we see her rise and her fall and her rise again and her fall again. Um, and it's really quite a compelling film. And we see her from a very young age. And then we see Margot Robbie playing her from about 15 onwards. Yep. Um, and like I said, it's two brilliant performances. And it looks it's more of a, a biopic at the private life of Tonya Harding. Um, and we'll cut to this clip, which is which epitomises this film. It's it's a it's a real hit 'em hard film. There's lots of strong language. There's actually violence as well. So it's not just a film about figure skating. Far from actually. One review described it as the Goodfellas of ice skating, and I think this clip epitomises what the film's about. Did you? I mean, when I was a kid, did you ever love me or anything? You think Sonia Henny's mother loved her? Poor fucking you. I didn't stay home making apple brown Bettys. No, I made you a champion. Knowing you'd hate me for it. That's the sacrifice a mother makes. I wish I'd had a mother like me instead of nice. Nice gets you shit. I didn't like my mother either. So what? I fucking gave you a gift. He cursed me. monster spilled milk baby so that f- clip is from about halfway through the film would you say craig yeah i yeah halfway through the film um margot robbie's character tonya is much older now and she's gone back to her mum for possibly some advice during that scene um and i don't think she really gets the advice that she needs no so this is a point in the film where um tonya harding's personal Life is in chaos. Her professional life's also in chaos, and she goes back to her mum to try and get a bit of advice, and 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 really ask her mum why she brought her up in the way she did. And 
we see uh, a very interesting style of parenting in the start of the film. You know, she smokes on the ice. She puts whiskey in her coffee whilst her daughter's skating. All the other girls turn up to competitions with lovely fur coats. She makes her daughter a coat out of rabbit skins. So there's no doubt that she loves her and she wants her to do well. But she shows it in a really sweary and sometimes violent way and that's obviously had a massive impact on Margot Robbie's character and when she does come back to her mum for an apology she gets fuck off basically which is pretty much the attitude of her mum throughout the film but her point is solid because she does push her and push her and push her and that that's the point of of Alison Janey's character Lavonia she she pushes her in a way that no other mother would ever do it's tough love essentially and it might not be the most appropriate way of parenting. Um, I don't think many people would really be doing that, but it seems to work. It seems to spur Tonya on to be the better person in her profession in, in figure skating, and but it has a real impact on her personal life. Yeah, so what this film brilliantly shows is is you see uh, Tonya uh, Harding on the, on the ice performing um, fantastic routines, in tr- including the, I think it's called the triple axel, yeah, that's that's the move that no one's ever been able to accomplish in the Olympics. In the Olympics, um, and and that's what she's going for. Yeah, and al- almost no other skaters can can do it anyway, let alone under that sort of pressure. And you have these amazing skating scenes, and then as soon as she's off the ice, bam, she's back to being shouty and sweary, and that really comes from her mum. And you see this pretty terrible relationship with um, her husband, who is played by. Um, Sebastian Stan. Yes, a moustached Sebastian (laughs) Stan. He's also very, very good. Um, And the clever thing about this film is, is it's it's, it's almost like it's been directed by Christopher Nolan because we're chopping and changing throughout. So it's a biopic, but it's almost like a documentary as well. So we have interviews with each of the characters when they're older, looking back. so that's very, very effective. Yeah, I, I like the way that's done. And I think those are based on real interviews as well. Um, I believe they are. I believe actually we see a bit of the real interview, don't we? Yeah, right at the very end. You yeah. get, you know, so if you're, if you're going to watch the film, stay to the very end and mm. watch those end credits because the, the, in, the real interviews are very eye-opening as well. And, and you can see how well Margot Robbie, Sebastian, uh, Stan and, and Alison Janney have portrayed these characters mm. in, in the way they've got... For them, it's been quite, not an easy ride, but they've had a lot of content to watch to base these characters on. And I think they've they've done a really great job of being able to do that and being able to uh, embody the real-life characters. Yeah, so we see... A f- as as the different aging the different ages of the characters throughout the film we see them play the characters physically different and vocally different and i think you said sebastian stan does a great job at, at that actually yeah i mean as a teenager his his character you know, is rather shy and laid back but as as their relationship progresses and they age a bit he becomes quite violent towards mm. her and this is something that the film does i, I think well, some people don't think they've done they've done it very well but i think they did it in a way that you know raised attention to the fact that violence in a relationship isn't a good thing, obviously. But but the way they did it, it was like Tonya from Tonya Harding's perspective almost, like it was a normality. Yeah, that's that yeah, you've hit the nail on the head there. It, yeah, absolutely spot on, Craig. It, it almost became normal and she didn't know how to escape that. For her for her it was normal. So when she left her husband, she almost felt like, Well, what what do I do now? 
Mm. So that's where the film sort of differs from it being a cinematic masterpiece to a documentary. You you get the perspective of Tonya Harding being in her shoes and living the normality of what she's going through. But then you go through to these documentary interviews as well, which is her reflecting on what's happened in her life and and trying to disprove the fact that she had anything to do with the incident that happens within the ah, film. yes. And this incident is something that's obviously well-known. To some people, the, the story might not be well-known, but it was a big thing that happened uh, during the Olympics that she took part in. Just, just before the Olympics, yeah. Yeah. So do we want to touch upon that? Yeah, I think we can We can mention it. Um, it's the, the incident that resulted in the injury of another American skater, uh, Nancy Kerrigan. Um and the film, we, we it, what's interesting about the film is it, it's very open. So it shows you what, hap- what happened, but we don't necessarily know if that's what's happened because it's told from varying perspectives. And, and you gather, I mean, if you've been following this incident um, in real life, when it happened, and even now, since the movie's come out, the interviews that are given have you know portrayed it as you no one really knows what happened and i think um you know the film does sort of go into the details as to this is what happened mm. but it's still not evident that whether or not anyone's telling the truth really yeah, did, so it... did tonya know that this was going to happen did did um sebastian stan's character know this was going to happen um and did did her bodyguard uh, mm. I've I've thrown up the who who who, who was the bodyguard? Who was he marks? played by? Because there's also some really good comedy in this film, um, and we just it was played by Paul Walter Hasser. Yeah, he plays Sean, didn't he? And he he he's very funny in this. So what we have is we have the incident, and if you were around in the in the nineties, this was major news in America and all around the world. Um, and Tonya Harding going to the Olympics, can she get a medal? Should she be allowed to compete? Um, fantastic performances, brilliant work by whoever's been uh, in charge of makeup here because we see Margot Robbie go from 15 to about 60 in the mm. space of two hours. And that's done really well with the hair as well. The hair, the skin. Embodying the, the, the era that it's set in, essentially. Um, this this film is really, really good. So, Craig, I think you can ask me the question. Yeah, yeah, I think I can. David, is it worth it? Yes, it is. Uh, I, Tonya, is out tomorrow i believe yeah so you'll be listening to this on friday when we release it and this film is out on friday so today go and watch it now (laughs) Uh, no this is a brilliant film uh margot robbie um is been she's been nominated for an oscar if it wasn't for the fantastic performance of francis mcdormand she would most certainly win it's a great performance uh potentially a well career defining performance so far go and check margot robbie out in i tonya I'm here and you're there. recording. You put pressure on the man. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so this is the review for Fifty Shades Freed. This is the final film in the trilogy for Fifty Shades. Now David, I really know that you've uh, been looking forward to reviewing this one really, haven't you? Sort of. So I've had a, a Fifty Shades marathon over the last 24 hours and that isn't as dodgy as it sounds. So, obviously, this film has come out. It's gone straight in at number two. It's taking a lot of money. So I wanted to see what all the uh, fuss was about. I haven't read the books, 
but I uh, picked up the DVDs in in a supermarket. Yeah, you can't say which one. I can't say which one, but but that was a funny experience. It wasn't was it? because I then had a, the 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 cashier tell me in detail why she liked the film and how good it was and how she'd seen it three times and it, it was so good. It, oh, okay. it was, uh, thanks very much. But anyway, no, I picked the first two films up on DVD and I've seen both of them and. Do you know what I was? I was I was disappointed, particularly with the second one. I think it should have been called Fifty Shades Longer, not Fifty Shades Darker, because <laughs> it, it was too long. Um, but the f- the first one, it you know, it started well. Um, I really liked the start actually, with the um, I put a spell on you and the camera work and seeing all these suits, and I thought that was a brilliant opening. Um, and then I thought it just started to go downhill really. Um, although the soundtrack was very good in the first one, particularly the remix of um, Crazy in Love by Beyonce. The second one, like I said, wasn't so good, but I was going into the third one knowing it was the last one, full of hope, and the story picks up where it left off. So the two protagonists, uh, which are Christian Grey and uh, Anastasia Steele, so... He proposed to her at the end of the last one. It it all finished very happy. Lots of fireworks and a strange man plotting to kill one or both of them. And this film picks up with them. They get married. They go on honeymoon. Yeah, there's a lot of sex, um, as you would imagine. Um, But the film doesn't really go anywhere. No, you think it's going to go somewhere. Yeah, I mean, the, the advert says, you know, prepare for the climax. But there isn't really a climax here. Um, and the the problem is, is that, so the first one, I was quite detached from the whole experience because Christian Grey to me was just unlovable, really. Um, but by the third one, he's actually finally fallen in love with, um, Anastasia. And I was pleased to see that because that's, that's the way I was hoping it was going. And, and this film looks at them trying to settle down. I mean, they're not really settling down because they're still chaining each other up and, doing all sorts of strange things, including, you know, making love in car parks and, and stuff like that. Um, but it's a tense relationship. She's obviously worried about him and his promiscuous side, and she starts to take a bit more of a dominant role, actually, and we can see that in this clip. Please stop speaking to my husband as if I weren't here. Anna. <laughs> I have designed many prestige projects. You may call me Mrs. Gray. And this is not a prestige project. This is going to be our home. So, if you want this job, I suggest you stop making eyes at my husband and keep your hands to yourself. Look, I'm sorry, Mrs. Gray, but I would never... It won't happen again. So in that clip, we see Dakota Johnson playing Anastasia still really starting to stand up for herself which is nice to see because obviously her her character is the submissive in their sexual relationship with uh, Christian Grey and she's standing up for herself because she genuinely genuinely loves Christian Grey and she loved him right from the outset of the first film it took him three films to actually fall in love with her and that's a clip from when they go to this new house, another house that Christian Grey's purchased. I mean, if there's anything you can say about these films, it's just full of things that Christian Grey's bought. Boats, planes, cars, you know. Uh, he's not short of a bob or two. And But this is a nice little cottage, which she... Well, not a cottage, it's like a mansion, but it's an old-style mansion. Very old. And um, this architect wants to knock it down and build up 
you know, a, a new modern house. And she's like, no, I want a f- traditional family home. And we see them want to settle down and they can't really because they're, there's a number of, not plot twists, but events that get in the way of it, really. Don't yeah, you? so... Yeah. You've still got Jack Hyde in the midst there. Yes, that's the he's, gentleman. He's he's plotting something. Um, and during the course of the film, things happen with him that actually really didn't hold the suspense very well and didn't really go into something that you thought, oh, okay, this, this has happened. Is Is he going to... Go, where's he going to go from here? Can he go anywhere from here? But somehow he does, and yeah. and it doesn't do it in a very good way either, does it, really? No, so obviously the, the first film, I think the problem with the first film, this may sound bizarre, but I actually think it lacked sexual tension. And I don't think... What? Yes, I do. I don't think it... There was enough suspense. And, and in this film... It didn't lack sexual sexual tension. Actually, I thought the sex scenes in this film were far better than in the first two. I thought mm. they were more intimate. I thought they were better shot. Uh, I thought they were a bit more believable. But other elements of the film, like the suspense of them trying to escape this lunatic who's trying to kill them, wasn't done particularly well. No, it was very um, rushed in a way. Or so. A little bit rushed, a little bit clumsy. Mm. Nonetheless, I was pleased to see the film going somewhere other than them just sleeping with each other and tying each other up. Mm. Um, because that's really all the first film was. So it was nice to see them try and do something. Um, but I still struggle with it. If, if I'm honest, out of all of the three films, I think this is the best one. Because it, 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 it's more of a romance. And that means that I was more engaged in the film. And I, I, I know I'm a, a bit of a softie at heart, really. I did just want to see them settle down and just... Have a good life. Just yeah, just have kids and just you know enjoy life. Overall, this trilogy for me, I mean, it's been a great success financially. Mm. And I mean, how much? What was it? You know, so much money on its first weekend at the box office, and people continually want to see these films and have been going to see them. Um, but that could have something to do with the release of the books when they first came out. They were very, very popular. E. I remember, e. yeah, L... everyone was reading them on public transport and all sorts. Mm. E.L. James seemed to make it acceptable to read this type of novel, but at the core of it, this this is a novel that's based on Twilight fan fiction. This really wasn't meant to go mainstream at all. Somehow it did, and somehow they turned it into a film, or a trilogy of films. And there were some core issues within these films, or maybe even within the novels. I can't really say because I haven't actually read them, but there were key things within these in, in these films and novels that could have been expanded upon mm. and made them something very, very good or something much better than, than was presented to us on the screen today. But they weren't allowed to expand on these because E.L. Yeah. James really wanted to keep it close to what she had written. And I think that was a real shame, actually, because when you when you have something that's in a, in a novel or in a book, it's going to work in a, in a book form. But when you try and portray it on the screen, you need to attack it in a different way. And and she didn't allow that. And and perhaps that's the real core issue here, is that it wasn't portrayed on the screen how it should have been done, and it didn't do the justice that we really wanted to see from our perspectives. Yeah, I think you make a great point there because. Christian Grey's character 
is actually very, very interesting. When you look at his background, you look at his childhood, you look at the reason why he falls into this kind of sexual behaviour and actually this quite violent sexual behaviour, there is a lot of meat on the bone that could be explored. But like you said, the author of the books didn't want the filmmakers to explore that. She just wanted it to be... Sex, sex, sex. I mean, there is a lot of that. Yeah, and, and obviously sex sells. It does. <laughs> um, and overall, the, the bizarre thing about this trilogy is it's, for what it tries to do, it's too long. But what ultimately it should do, it's too short. I genuinely believe with a good script, a good director, this would make a fantastic Netflix series about 10 you know, 10, 12 episodes. Because hmm. there's a lot of stuff here. And the reason I didn't like the first film was because I just couldn't engage with the characters. It just seemed very wooden and mechanical. Their relationship just seemed like, well, let's tie, I'm going to tie you up and whip you. Why? Well, don't ask questions. Whip, whip, whip. You know, why is this happening? Um, and it, we don't find out why it's happening till the second film. Um, but, I mean, this, 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 these aren't bad films. But they're not great. I just don't think they're very good. But they have been successful. A lot of people like them, um, which which is strange, really, in, in one sense, because people who are into the sort of stuff that they're doing in the films, yep. I, I'd have thought, well, personally, instead of going to watch it in the cinema, I'd just crack on and do it at home. And if you're not really into that kind of stuff, you're probably not going to go and watch it at the cinema anyway. No. Um, but nevertheless, it's it's making a lot of money. Uh, and it has finished. And, you know, these three films were made in three years. And that's all you need to know. The books were a great success. They came storming onto the scene. Everyone was reading them in public, which was bizarre. So they thought, let's get the films out. Strike while the iron's hot. They struck while the iron's hot. Cinemas have been packed. People have responded well. The critics haven't. The, crit- the critics pan every single one of these. But I'm I'm ready for the question. Craig. David, is it worth it? In my opinion, if you've seen the first two films, yes, it is worth it. I think out of all the three films, um, this is the best one. Um, There are some good scenes. Uh, I think the sexual scenes are better in this film. I think there is a little bit of suspense. There's some some action in there. Uh, There's a very nice Audi R8. That makes another reappearance. But look, if you haven't seen any of the Fifty Shades films, I I wouldn't recommend going to see this. As a standalone film, it's, it's, it's just meh. You know, it's <laughs> it's it's not awful. It's not great. It's you know, flat, average, average. Yeah. So there you have it, folks. That's the review for Fifty Shades Freed. So we're now going to review Father Figures, and I've really been looking forward to this review because this was a fantastic cinema experience not necessarily a fantastic film but a really really enjoyable (laughs) trip to the cinema craig uh, tell our listeners what this film is about so father figures is is a comedy uh it stars owen wilson and ed helms um they in the film they learn that their mother has been lying to them for for many years about who their father is or was um they're twins um and they literally just hit the road looking for their father essentially um and so it's a road film and you know there's comedy 
There is. There There's is Owen Wilson. There's Owen Wilson playing the same bloody role that Owen Wilson always plays. That sort of hippie, chilled out, cool guy, go with the universe. He When he first comes into the film, he's wearing a white suit with sort of Hawaiian leaves on. Mm. Sort of part, you know, a hula. It's, it's bizarre, really. Um, with his Hawaiian girlfriend. Um, and he's the sort of chilled out brother. And then you've got the sort of really serious doctor brother played by Ed Helms, who's the quite geeky guy in the Hangover trilogy. Um, and it's at the mother's wedding where we, I can't remember how, but we find out that it's all been a lie and they don't know who their father is. And this clip shows that scene quite well, because that is the clip of that scene. (laughs) (laughs) My whole life trying to honor my father's memory. And you have. What memory? I stare at souls all day long because of a fictional man's colon cancer. Pete, could you pivot into plastic surgery or or something less butt-related? I mean, you're really smart. I don't see why not. Kyle, how are you not freaking out right now? Okay, that's not fair. You can't tell people how to no, freak no, out. I want everybody to calm down, all right? I'm so sorry, you guys, but the light is going quickly. It's the last chance for family photos. Not a good time, Annie. Oh, it's a perfect time, Annie. So that that was a, a clip from, from Father Figures. And just to explain a little bit, the reason why um, Ed Helms' character, Peter, looks at assholes all day is because he... <laughs> and that's he... not just him looking at Owen Wilson. No, <laughs> no he's um, he's looking at assholes because he is a doctor that um, checks people's prostates, essentially. And uh, that the reason why he's gone into that profession or that part of the profession is because their fictional father died, apparently, of colon cancer. Yeah, so the mother is played by Glenn Close... And like I said, it's at the wedding that this terrible secret comes out and these two uh, brothers go off in hunt for their father. Um, and I actually quite enjoyed this film. And the reason I enjoyed it was it was the most bizarre film audience. I think there was six of us, yeah, seven all in all. Me and Tr- Craig were trapped in the back row. To our left, we had two very overweight single men with the most inappropriate laughs. One of them was just, <laughs> literally, at parts of the film that weren't funny. And then to our right, Craig, <laughs> we had two 80-year-old people, <laughs> uh, a husband and wife, quite clearly. And and we found ourselves, you know, at the inappropriate scenes that were on screen, looking at them just to see what their reaction was. We we did think that they'd walked into the wrong screen. Really. I, I, I really thought that they'd, you know, they'd had a, an afternoon out to see Churchill and they'd gone into the wrong screen. Yeah, it, and... it, po- it popped up on the screen what the <laughs> film was and they, were, and, and they started talking as although, hang on, we walked into the wrong yeah, screen. I... And possibly they, they had. Yeah, and, we and don't they know. just couldn't be bothered to move. Um, but there was one particular scene. There was really explicit sexual content, and I well, couldn't not, not not explicit content in the sense that it was visually shown. It was no, more descriptive, very descriptive, very descriptive about Glenn Close's character. So the two brothers' mum and how good she was in the sack in her youth, and the and the reason this film goes on and on and on, and it is quite long, if not too long, yeah. is because. Um, the mum, played by Glenn Close, as I've said about eight times now, in case you didn't realise, that's Coella Deville for those of you who don't know who Glenn Close is. Um, she really did sleep around a bit at uni, and this wild goose chase unfolds. Um, and look, the, 
this film has been really slated by critics and audience alike. And I, but I actually quite enjoyed it, and I don't know if I enjoyed it because of the ridiculous laugh that made us laugh. Yeah, yeah, no, it's, it 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 was all about <laughs> the audience participation within this film that made us somewhat enjoy it. It, what, I enjoyed the laughing from from those audience members, but I didn't enjoy the film. And that lovely old lady with her Werther's originals, and her husband who, who enjoyed the film a bit too much, if you ask me. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um, the, the, you know, like I said, the reason the film's so long is because the mum sleeps around a bit and. Father figure after father figure after father figure. We find out they're not the father. Um, and look, Owen Wilson is Owen Wilson. Ed Helms is basically the same person he plays in The Hangover. But a little bit more serious at times. And actually, I thought yeah. his, his his portrayal of his character wasn't bad. But it was still Ed Helms playing the typical Ed Helms character. Owen Wilson playing the typical Owen Wilson character. But then we had... Um, you know, Glenn Close as is it Glenn Close? Yeah, I've, yeah, he's yeah. definitely Glenn Close <laughs> playing Helen, who the, the mum, who actually she was. It started off a bit shaky at the beginning, but then near to the end, we did get this yeah. this this nice emotional wrap up. I think, and yeah. and she did a good job with with aiding that scene. Yeah. Um, but all in all, ask me the question. Oh, we're going straight to the question. Yeah, go straight for it. Craig, is it worth it? No. Oh. No, I I don't think you'll be lucky if you get an audience like we did, and if you Impossible. do, then you'll enjoy the film. Cherish some... that audience. Yeah, if you if you don't get that sort of audience, then I don't think you'll enjoy the film. You'll find it less funny because there won't be anybody else laughing in the cinema. Yeah, essentially, and it's it's all about the audience that go and see it, really. So I I don't think it'd be worth going to see it in the cinema. I, I it might be worth watching on Amazon or Netflix or whatever it goes on to later on at the end of the year or next year but not worth going to see in the cinema it's not worth 10 quid to go to cinema if you're going on your own if you're going to take other people it's not worth 30 40 quid to go to the cinema is it really no let's be honest um like i said i i i will have fond memories of this uh cinema experience apart from when i got trapped um i'd just been to the gym so i took in a big two liter bottle of water and i drank it and i was bursting and to my right i had the elderly couple, which I couldn't ask them to get up because when I entered the cinema, it took about 10 minutes to get past them. And then to my left, I had these two huge men who... So to go rambling over so I the just, seats. I literally had to climb over the seats like a madman. Um, but no, uh, look, there's some laughs in it, but for me, as Craig said, I don't think this is worth seeing in the cinema. And if those, if that elderly couple are listening, we hope you enjoyed the film. You certainly made our day, so thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so we're going to head on over to the next review, which is Status Update. <laughs> there he is again. There it is. Uh, so this is the final review for this week's show this is status update status update if you're american well, status update definitely status update it's a 12a one hour 46 minute film uh, which is a comedy fantasy high school musical-esque film um where we have ross lynch playing kyle moore a teenager who is uprooted from his um was it where is he based florida was it or no california california he's california. into his surfing skateboarding he's got long blonde hair it's not stereotypical at all this film no not at all um so he's moved away he's starting a new high school he's trying to fit in but doesn't fit in and on the day of arrival he gets picked on by the high school bullies 
typical high school yeah American so it's the film. jocks um and on that day his phone breaks by the bully and he has to go and get a new one from the mall or at least try and get it fixed and you're introduced to a very strange character that gives him for free for some reason a brand new phone that has a magical app installed upon it Ooh. called the universe and um within the universe you're able to put out statuses or statuses that um for some reason um kyle is able to put these statuses out and anything that he puts out there comes true let's uh, let's go to a clip we are experiencing some technical difficulties please bear with us while we address this problem what have you done i'm really sorry there's no clip but why did you do that oh i'm sorry it stinks no it doesn't you can't tell them that oh it does oh (laughs) pete's sake there's no there's no clip um unfortunately i don't know whether it's the fact the film's that sort of unknown but there is genuinely no clips of this film no sorry about that um, but as Craig was saying, this is sort of a high school musical-esque. So stereotypical, though, isn't it? It really is. The way that they, you know, you've got the fat kid at school, the geeky kid. You've got the jocks all wearing, you know, like they do in America, their sort of sports jackets. Um, and it, it just every box you could possibly have for stereotypes, it ticks. And, oh, my word, this film was really bad to start. Because the, there is music in it, there is singing. And the first singing number was atrocious. The dubbing was diabolical. Yeah, it was all. It was so bad. It was almost not in sync. So the lips were moving, and it was almost out of sync. And it was so auto tuned. Oh, it was ghastly. Um, but it does improve. Um, and we and... we did find ourselves somewhat entertained, and the comedy was actually not too bad. There was some. There was a scene which we both actually laughed quite profusely at. Maybe yeah. because it wasn't. It wasn't an inappropriate. Um, scene to have in there you know what was what was the phrase yes well i don't i don't i don't i don't want to give it away because it is funny but it basically we're looking at 12a and it's just this really dark joke about a filipino village being destroyed by a volcano um and it 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 is hilarious but it's just like so out of sync it's like the director was like i'm gonna slip this in and see if anyone notices and there are a few other points in there as well where yeah that and that, that the person who delivers that line is actually very good in this film he plays the uh sort of fat geeky kid and there's quite a funny moment as well where he convinces his parents that he's finally got a friend and his friend isn't a uh make-believe friend again and that friend is Kyle Moore, played by Ross Lynch. And he's like, I invite him around for dinner. And the parents are like, OK, OK, invite him around. And then obviously Kyle doesn't turn up. So his parents are like, oh, here we go again. But he brings um, a lot of comic relief. A lot of comedy to it. He, Do you know what? He really reminds me of Jack Black. Young Jack Black. A, um, a young Jack Black. Very similar physique. Very similar style of comedy. Quirky, awkward. Um, Ross Lynch was solid in it i didn't think he was exceptional i did think olivia holt of all the performances i thought she was actually quite quite good i think she can sing she can act and look you know this film has the narrowest of audience markets possible so it's a 12a parents aren't going to want to take their kids to this i'm sorry but they're just not so really you're going to need to be 12 to watch it and any more than 15 16 
maybe 17 pushing it <laughs> we went to go and see it yeah i know but we, we went to see it to review because we have to go um so if if you're sort of a a, a fully grown adult which as i imagine most people <laughs> are listening to this is not just children sort of messing around on their parents iphones but um yeah look this isn't a film really going to want to go and see it's not a bad film it's not a good film there's some laughs it's for for teenagers it you know 12 to 14 15 you know, go with your mates. You'll you'll enjoy it. It's stereotypical, um, and Craig's waving at me very theatrically. No, I wasn't. He was. Um, Craig, what was the film called again? <laughs> Status update. Oh yes, <clears throat> Craig. Status update. Is it worth it? No. Oh. It's something you'd watch on Netflix, buried in the in the sub menus for comedy somewhere, and. 12a somewhere buried in those menus and you'll find it and you think ah this is all right to enjoy on a sunday afternoon when you've got no other films to watch mm. because you've explored all the films that are on netflix which is many 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 films so many films many films um yeah I, I, it's not worth going to see in the cinema without a doubt no like i said if you're 12 to 16 maybe go with your mates you'll have a good laugh but olivia holt look out for that name i, I genuinely think she could be she's 20 years old i think she she could be one to watch career-wise hmm um, so yeah, uh, status update, 12 to 15 year olds, go check it out. So that's the end of week five of, is it worth it? The film review podcast. Uh, we're going to read out a few messages that we've got about, uh, I think, one of the films that we've oh, uh, no. reviewed this week. Um, Dave is going to read those out, and then we'll let you know how you can get in contact <laughs> with us, because we would like you to get in contact with us. So, David, what, who, what's, who's been talking about? Well, yeah, about? I'm just looking through the messages. Two of them about my bald head again, but uh, we'll go straight to a, um, a message from Lauren uh, about Fifty Shades. Uh, I love them. All three make me feel all warm inside. I do love a good old romance, and the kinkiness is a bonus. P.S. I can't believe you've gone to watch this. Yeah, me and Craig went to watch this together. Um, and one of our friends, I want to know who you went to the cinema to watch it with. One, on your own. Two, with Craig. Both options are not good. <laughs> <laughs> Craig, LOL. Hope you held hands walking in. And I replied, and out, which we did. No, we didn't. We were the only men there. It was just full of middle-aged women, yeah, which is really the target was. audience. Um are we going to conclude with telling the good folk what we have next week? No, we're going to leave it as a surprise. Are we? Yeah. Really, we don't know what's coming up next <laughs> week. Because um, at the moment, we've seen everything. Uh, Red Sparrow with Jennifer Lawrence is coming out soon. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, what else do we have coming out? There's a new Joaquin Phoenix film coming out very soon. Yeah. Uh, Lady Incredibles Bird. 2, that's coming out in June. I'm excited about it. Yes. The, well, Lady Bird, as I was just saying, Lady Bird that's will out be on Friday, so we're going to try and go and see that. It's not out, surprisingly, in many cinemas, but we will venture to High Wycombe. It's not being played in our local cinema. No, which is a surprise, but it probably will be worth going to see as it's up for numerous Oscars. It's won BAFTAs, isn't it? It's won... It's won many golden globes i think it's one as well so many many awards many have been awards. won so by we will go and see that Lady one Bird. um but do get in touch with us if you've enjoyed the show and we'd like to know your feedback on the show your views on the films that you've seen this week last week or last year whenever you've seen them we want to know your views on them to get in contact with us you can email us at mymailisworthit@gmail.com at gmail.com or you can tweet us at film is worth it 
or you can look us up on Facebook. Uh, you'll be able to find us from the link in the, in the description. Thank you very much, David, for being the co-host today, as always. Thank you very much, Craig. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing you next week on week six. Goodbye. Have a good week. (laughs) Not again. Oh, dear. Oh, I don't know what was in that cinema food. Something in your bowels. Don't buy the hot dogs at City World. (laughs)